This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 442. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and joined today by Matthew Marister. Super excited to be back, man, and uh, be with you. And we got a lot of a lot of listeners today or viewers today, so it's going to be cool. We got the Shooter Ready Challenge, so I'm pumped, man. Pumped. Yeah, we do yeah. indeed. Yes, sir. Uh Looking forward to today's episode. A lot of legislative news updates, some really cool stories we're going to share. Uh, and yeah, talk about Shooter Ready Challenge, which is drawing on the move, uh, which I think is a good thing to, to know how to do. Uh, I think it's very relevant to a lot of uh, the civilian defense cases that we see. You know, we review the justified saves. In fact, I think that's like next week, I think is when we do our next justified saves episode. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, the ones that we do get that have video or something with them, a lot of times people are on the move. Having the draw on the move, I think, is a very, very important skill. And specifically, in this shooter, in this month's Shooter Ready Challenge uh, drill, I, I talk about doing more than just a single sidestep. Uh, because, yeah, I think you need to be able to take more than just a single step to have a reasonable expectation of avoiding incoming fire. Uh, so anyway, we'll get into that. Today's episode is brought to you and sp- sponsored by, I'm struggling to get the words out of my mouth there, uh, the Laser X dry fire training software. Uh, we're huge fans. Uh, you know, we've been using, I've been using the LASR software, laser activated shot reporter, uh, program for a number of years now. It's sometimes even just, to, it's fun just to do. Uh, we've done, you know, like, a, like almost like a date night or we've had uh, friends over or even like our kids' friends and you could set up the laser software and in a safe environment with laser pistols, practice uh, dry fire, uh, various drills and, and challenges and things. The Laser X version of that software is the latest and greatest is compatible with any internet connected mobile or computer device uh, runs through your browser so it does require an internet connection which is probably fine for most of you uh, where you may be using this at home or maybe even at your office perhaps uh, and so check out the laser x software you can get started for just like $9.99 a month or something uh, very inexpensive to get started try it out and it comes with these new challenges or these drills built right into the software and that's where a lot of the the shooter ready challenges come from so head on over to l-a-s-r-a-p-p laserapp.com to learn more and get signed up today or to download even if you want the classic version of laser uh that's a that's a fine way to go as well uh, so, and speaking of which, talking about the Shooter Ready Challenge, where you can find the Shooter Ready Challenge is ShooterReadyChallenge.com. Go watch the video that's posted up there. We're going to talk about that content here in just in a moment and uh, give it a try. All right. Uh, those of you that participate in the monthly Shooter Ready Challenge, you are automatically entered into a drawing for a special prize. Uh, some of you that are a little bit more 
clued in may have noted that I've stopped talking about how we're giving away ammo as the prize. That's because there's none to give away. <laughs> but uh, we, we have other uh, awesome prizes that uh, we're selecting and, and sending to folks. And, and when we get a reliable source of ammunition again, well, then you can expect that we'll give away am- ammunition again. So I might be able to spare a single round of 22 long rounds. <laughs> <laughs> you still you know, got to put your kids through, through college, so you got to save that stuff, right? I think I have some of the, you know, the Remington, uh, uh, what is it called? The Thunderbolt ammo or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, it's got like kind of a, col- a gold-colored bullet. So, you know, we'll give it, we'll, we call it the Golden Bullet Award. <laughs> <laughs> Single round of 22. Congrats. You did your dry fire this month. Here's your 22. Uh, so, uh, also our, our other sponsor of today's episode, and they're also sponsors of the shooter ready challenge. And that is next level training, uh, and their fantastic cert pistols and also the new cert stick training rifle, uh, all great stuff from next level training. We've been partners of theirs and have worked with them for a number of years now. And, you know, I still use my original cert pistol all the time and it's a great training tool. So check out nextleveltraining.com. Well, Matthew, talking about the Shooter Ready Challenge, again, folks, if, if you missed it, the first call out, go to shooterreadychallenge.com. That's where you can watch the latest Shooter Ready Challenge video that I filmed, and it is all about drawing and, well, and shooting on the move. So I'd like to hear from you, Matthew, actually, uh, and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. I saw uh, some uh, content from you over the weekend. You were teaching a triple guardian pistol course mm-hmm. with Rob Beckman. Yep. And uh, I saw a really cool thing you guys did or had access to. Uh, I've I've had the pleasure of using one myself. I was actually in a three gun match, and that was a basically a Tuller drill uh, uh, machine, if you will. Right. I think was that is that one that was made by challenge targets or action mgm mgm MGM. yeah man those those are good dudes too yeah as a cool target uh setup so so basically what it is is uh is i mean it's pretty simple you got a series of rails that you lay on the ground and then you have a target stand that has wheels on it and then it's all tied to a cable uh in a box you know that that winds up and then you, somebody has a, a button release that you can hit. And uh, so you put a student or somebody on the line, you know, basically facing that target. And you tell them, hey, you've got, you know, from the, you're going to, you're going to, you don't know when the fight's going to start. Okay. Just as soon as whoever is hitting the button decides to hit the button, your cue, your, the thing that tells you to go, your go signal is, when you see that target all of a sudden start to rush at you, mm-hmm. then you make the decision to draw your gun. Then you decide, or you have, you know, once you get it up on target, then you can actually shoot that target. And that thing comes at you pretty dang quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a, it's a great training uh, tool. I don't know what those cost, but. Uh, I can uh, tell you. Cause I looked. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> like, so if you want to buy one, they're about $1,600. Woo. wee. Yeah. Yeah. Called the attack target. I think. That's so what yeah, it's attack called. target from MGM targets. Huh? Yeah. 
Awesome. So I saw a video of you and some of your students uh, shooting on that thing. And uh, I think that has great relevance to Mm -hmm. this idea of drawing and shooting. So tell me about it. No, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, It was kind of interesting. I I took a look at the topic for today with the shooter ready challenge. It was drawing and moving. And uh, like you mentioned with that attack target, you know, it's closing 21 feet in roughly between a second to a second and a half. It's, it's not calibrated exactly, but you know, it's some somewhere around in there. So it comes in quick. Um, And, you know, we started as, as a group going through and just kind of drawing stationary, right? The target starts to move, you draw and you shoot. And then we started kind of drawing and stepping offline. And then we did, um, we started uh, doing kind of progressing to facing away from the target and then from a seated position. So we kind of went through some iterations and, and different things. And the, the, the weird thing was, was that uh, most of the students were quicker when we faced away from the target. Um, and I think it had something to do with, you know, seeing the button be pushed as opposed to reacting to the target moving towards you. And I don't know what it was, but almost universally, there was maybe a, you know a quarter of a second of reaction time uh, quicker when you saw them push the button and turn, maybe, um, or maybe it just it, it kind of progressed that way. But um, and it kind of got me thinking about you know a lot of times we hear a beep and then we draw and we shoot and we're all ready. It's shoot already beep and you draw and you're waiting for that that you know um, that that whatever it might be a beep or the the command thread or whatever it might be but when it's movement sometimes it's a little bit i, I don't know what it is but it takes our mind just a, a little bit of a second to uh to figure it out and uh and it, it bared out so it was it was pretty good it was a good eye-opening um little drill because you you realize the importance of moving um, and, and, you know, while you're shooting and while somebody's coming at you. So, uh, it, it's, it's good context with what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I noticed, uh, particularly when you demonstrated, uh, in that class, uh, against that attack target that, uh, well, you did a pretty good job to move offline, uh, and put, put rounds on target. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with regards to the shooter ready challenge, uh, you know, that's, that's what we're talking about here. I mean, you have someone rushing at you. Okay. This is a very real thing, right? Sure. Uh, we can point to any number of, especially officer involved shootings with body cam footage that shows this, uh, that may not be as relevant to, you know, your regular Joe's and Jane's out there carrying concealed every day. Uh, but we know those instances occur as well, where you're generally in a public space of some kind outdoors. Maybe it's at the gas station. Maybe it's just on the street. Uh, but uh, basically you have a threat that is trying to close distance on you for whatever reason. And so, you know, the, the natural response, well, there's a couple of, there's a couple of ways that we might, that people might respond. Some people might freeze, right? That's definitely a real possibility. Some may try to backpedal. So just that they'll basically just move, you know, your threat's coming at you. You just simply move in a straight line away from them, but you're going backwards, right? Uh, you might consider turning and running, but that's probably not as likely for 
a lot of people actually. They'll probably be pretty locked in on the closing threat and doing what they can to back away from it. And uh, and then the third option would be to try to uh, change angles because uh, that uh, is is arguably as effective, not more effective than just moving to the rear backpedaling, right? Because you can move more quickly laterally since you you can move your feet in a more forward direction then you can move things backwards and you're a lot less likely to fall, stumble, uh, lose your balance, that sort of thing. And so, uh, you know, the example that I use in the shooter ready challenge drill this month is, is basically stepping to, uh, to the side laterally. Okay. And realize that the reality is, is that when we start trying to move or change angles on, an attacker that they will likely make an adjustment as well, almost immediately and start trying to turn and coming to you. Well, you know, that's where we end up in a lot of fights. You see this a lot where they're, they're very circular in their movement because you've got two parties uh, that, you know, one is trying to avoid or get away or again, uh, change the angle of things and the others try to adjust and to that and counter that. And so you end up, you know, kind of doing this circular dance. Uh, the reality is an attacker that's bent on getting you is going to eventually catch you uh, mo- mo- most likely, you know, unless you just simply are, well, Matthew, you're, you're one of those little, you know, little guys. <laughs> <laughs> you move a lot more quickly probably than I do. I don't know. You know Maybe sometimes. I'm, I'm like a diesel engine. You know, you gotta <laughs> get things kind of ramped up and then the turbo kicks in finally. <laughs> you know, turbo lag. And then you're, you're like that little, you're like a rotary engine, you know, uh, <laughs> a Nissan. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. I'm good with that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, you know, so, so, but 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 what this is about is two things. Number one, if there's gunfire involved, changing an angle makes things a little more difficult on them as far as hitting you. But also, when, regardless of gunfight or no gunfight, uh, in the case of, uh, of them just wanting to tackle you, beat you, or stab you, uh, movement buys you some time. Maybe not a lot of time but it might be just enough for you to put into action uh, your response. Uh, so, so that's what this is all about. And primarily, honestly, it's for the way I see it is more about buying time than it is making yourself a difficult target. Yeah. Uh, unless you're like really moving quickly. Okay. But even then, I mean, you can do, you can go like Greg Elfritz did a great uh, article I think even with a little bit of video attached to it, and he doesn't do video very often, uh, where they were testing movement. Uh, I think they were testing straight line and zigzagging and maybe a couple other things uh, with, uh, and then they were using uh, man marking rounds. Uh, so they had he, had, he had a couple of volunteers, you know, that were running and trying to avoid being hit by someone that was drawing and firing their simunition or UTM uh, based gun. 
And so what I'm getting at is even in those cases where someone was moving very rapidly uh, in a lateral fashion or zigzagging or anything like that, uh, they still got hits on them a fair number of times. And I also remember being in a class with Dave Spaulding where we were talking about this very thing. And he says, you know, he, he, he was basically remarking how he finds it a little silly that, that there's training that is done where we teach, take a sidestep and draw and fire. Now I'm going to, before I, you know, go down that path any further, I'm just going to, you know, add in there a caveat that sometimes because of the range environment or perhaps the, the, the amount of space that's available, uh, maybe the number of students you have online or whatever, maybe that's all you can do, at least in that particular drill that time. Meaning that we're getting some reps where we're, we're incorporating some movement and we're drawing or trying to put a round or two or however many on the, on the target, and that's fine. But don't get tricked into this, into this thinking that if I have a threat, an attacker, I'm going to take a single step, draw, and fire my gun. And, the, and why do I take that single step? Well, because it makes me a harder target to hit. And Dave's explanation or his actually demonstration is he's like, all right, students, all you in the class, point your index finger on me. Okay? He's like, I want you to follow me wherever I go. And he takes a single but also a pretty fast step to one side. And everybody's like, poop. <laughs> yeah, on an inch transition. You know, it's like, it, it, you know, it, it's not even a split second. And everybody's finger is still trained on him. He's like, you think a gangbanger with a gun in his hand can't, can't track you? Just like that, just one short little movement maybe five degrees of movement, maybe 10 degrees of movement in his arm to stay with you. And mean, meanwhile, keep in mind, they don't have, they don't play by the rules we play by. They don't care if they miss and hit innocence. So, so, you know, in the course of that short little movement you're doing, pop, 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 they're shooting regardless of whether they're on target or not, but eventually they're going to catch up to you and probably hit you. Right. You see what I'm getting at? So anyway, so my point is, is it's, 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 it's appropriate. It's fine to do some practice just for the sake of, uh, I guess just keeping that in the mind that I want to be used to the idea of moving and drawing and putting my gun into the fight. Uh, but uh, you should definitely make sure that you're practicing much more or much longer uh, spans of movement and, and very fast explosive movements, not a simple little step, you know, like explode, move, get to a, you know, because maybe you're trying to move to a point of cover, right? Well, your goal when you have good effective cover is to get that cover as fast as possible, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's the skill, right? And you're just you're trying to build a skill. The the step off to the side. It's not a drill, right? It's, or it's not a scenario. It's it's building a skill so you can apply that skill in multiple different ways, whether it's an angle, a sidestep, two sidesteps, whatever it might be. But you have to begin to start laying the groundwork for that because it's not, if you've never drawn and stepped on an angle, then you don't know where to begin. So you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, from I assume you uh, watched the video, the Shoe Ray Challenge video, right? Yep. yep. As far as learning to do this, uh, you know, what what's something that stands out in your mind that you would, you know, that you would think people needs to hear about? I, I think one thing that stood out to me that I think uh, will surprise a lot of people if they're if they've shot and you know if they're used to shooting and moving or moving laterally and things like that and they're kind of familiar with the concept is kind of breaking it down and, and thinking about um, the movement itself being the same speed but how quickly we shoot, you know, how accurate uh, we need to be is how fast we can shoot. Not that we're necessarily moving slower, right? So it's like you're trying to move quickly because the purpose is to move to cover or get distance or better position. Mm -hmm. Um, So theoretically, we wouldn't say, well, because I need a you know, a, a more accurate shot, I'm going to move really slow because mm-hmm. and that might be the context that works at that moment. But, but really what we're trying to do is move quickly to get, you know, better our position or get, get a better position. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, and I thought that that was a good point that you, you made about, you know, we're shooting as quickly as we can see our sights. We're not just slowing down so we can shoot more accurately. Um, if that makes sense, but that was something I liked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I appreciate that. And, and you're spot on in, in that because one thing that we see fairly often as instructors when we're teaching students about shooting on the move or, or just incorporating movement into, say, a draw is that sometimes the movement, actually quite often, the movement will match the pace that like where their, where their brain is at in terms of the difficulty of the target and the shot that's being made. Uh, even if, even if it's with the draw, draw on the move. And because they recognize that the target they're trying to hit is kind of difficult. A lot of times that movement won't be quite as aggressive as it should or could be because in the brain, they're already thinking, well, that's a hard target and I got to make sure things are really lined up and so I'm going to go slower and then everything goes slower. The draw goes slower. The movement goes slower, you know? So we got to be, uh, that's a really important thing to realize and to be aware of and to try to avoid that pitfall of, you know, allowing your movement to suffer uh, and not be what it needs to be to hopefully keep us safer. Again, we're thinking in terms of buying time, getting to cover, or possibly making ourselves a harder target to hit. And so, uh, you know, it, it, the movement's got to have a purpose. It's not move, moving for the sake of moving, right? It, it has a purpose and a mission behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And, that, and that usually means that this is a, an aggressive, violent encounter that, we are in the middle of that requires aggressive movement and action. So, uh, you know, there's a really fascinating video out there of Gabe white, uh, instructor out of, I think Washington state. I think he's up in Washington, maybe Oregon. I think he's Washington. Uh, I'd love to take Gabe white class one day, but, uh, he's actually demonstrating shooting while running and being pretty darn successful with it like he's running laterally to a target okay so and he's again he's running like sprinting dang near 
not just walk fast, <laughs> right? He is running all out and putting multiple shots, high center chest, you know, cavity, uh, pretty reliably. So what does that tell you? Well, I think it's a couple things. Number one, their, their shooting skill, obviously, shooting skill is always involved in, in shooting a gun, right? So, so there's a point where there's a, there's a level of competency we must achieve uh, in just the pure raw shooting so that we can run the gun effectively. Number two, uh, there's probably some things that, that we can do with regards to the walking or running technique that may smooth things out. But when you're all out running, I don't care who you are. It's not necessarily smooth. It's not smooth at all. So what I'm convinced of is that it's, it's the difference maker there is, is that his vision is so in, in tune, if you will, with the target and the relationship of his gun slash sights to that target that he's able to see what's going on, recognize and make split second decisions to run the trigger Okay, meaning that your gun's bouncing across the target very quickly, right? You see what I'm getting at? Mm-hmm. And you can train the eye and the brain. It's, it's, it's a lot of just – some of this is just figuring out, getting used to what it looks like and getting used to what's an acceptable sight picture when things are kind of crazy, if you will. It's true. This is the same thing when we're shooting rapid strings of fire. You know, I just spent a couple of days with Rob Latham. He sees the movement of the sight. He's tracking the sight the whole time that that gun's firing, right? Most people go, what, how, how is that possible? It's going, you know, like this. The slide is cycling so fast. How can you see it? It's a blur. You can see it, but you got to, you know, like I'm a lot better now at, at, at it than I used to be. I, I wouldn't say that, I, that I'm perfect at all times. I think there's probably times I lose that, but I'll tell you that, sometimes, you know, someone will see me shoot, say like a build drill and be like, well, how do you know? Like you're aiming those shots and putting them on target. Um, because you're seeing and you're tracking the gun as it's recoiling. And it happens so fast. I mean, I'll tell you this much. You don't have time to make corrections, you know, at that speed, meaning that, oh, I see my sight, my gun coming, my sight, my front sight coming down or my red dot coming down. And I recognize where that's going to be is off the target or, or is not where I want it or whatever. Um, you may not have time to make that correction, you know, and fix that before that next shot goes off. But eventually you start catching up to that and you, you can make, you know, well, yeah, I know that one went a little bit high, right? So I know that the next time my gun returns from recoil, I got to, it's got to come down a little bit more low and to the left to get back on target. Right. So uh, anyway, uh, you know, we, we could go on and on. My point is, is that it is absolutely possible to shoot while on the move. Uh, and I think it's valuable training to do. All right. And definitely I recommend and encourage you to go and take training courses where you're able to do this and learn from a competent instructor that can really uh, show you these things. All right. 
Uh, uh, can I just add one thing in there to, to nail your point home? Um, during this three-day class that we taught over the weekend, uh, the first day we run build drill. And so we had students run build drill. And these aren't like brand new shooters. These are shooters that, you know, uh, some of them are IDPA shooters and think that good, good, um, good skill set to begin with. And by the end of the uh, end of the week, we're running, move, we, we time moving build drill as well. They were running the moving build drill as quickly or not sometimes quicker than they were running the initial build drill standing still with fewer hits or with fewer misses by the end of the day or mm -hmm. by the end of the week. So it's, it, it, to your point, it, it, it is all about understanding your speed and working the trigger in your sights and how quickly can I squeeze the trigger? How, how quickly can I see the sights and, and, and work that? And once they start to pick up on that, it's like, it, it, and then they go back to the, the, you know, the stationary build drill and it's like, they can't miss the target seems like it's huge. So yeah, it, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a cool thing to see. And since you brought that, the moving build drill up, let me explain what that is in case people aren't familiar. Uh, I imagine there's other shooters or instructors that have done something similar. Uh, but you know, basically we, we created the moving build drill as part of the curriculum that you were just teaching this last weekend uh, as, as an exercise to give, you know, people that, that opportunity to practice shooting while on the move. And the way we set it up is, you know, traditionally a build drill is done from five yards or excuse me, seven yards. We do the moving build drill from five yards. Uh, again, there's movement involved. It's more challenging, right? So, so we, we make the moving build drill as far as the distance concerned a little bit easier uh, but also here's the other, here's the other reason why it's moved up a little bit closer is that the, the angle of the target changes more quickly when we're closer to it. And so, uh, the, the whole point of that moving build drill is to, to learn how to shoot on a, on a changing target, you know, a target that is not static, that's moving. You're moving. It also appears the target's moving, Right. So it requires, you know, tracking that target and the gun and keeping everything in, in, in line as things are moving. Um, so, you know, keep in mind that there's there's some of this that we're talking about. It's not necessarily meant to be as a discussion of tactics that, well, you know, should I move while shoot or shoot while moving or should I move really fast from point A to point B or to a cover or whatever and then shoot? Not talking about that. Just simply talking about the skill of shooting while moving which I promise you, if you can shoot while moving, like Matthew just said, it seems so much easier when everything is static. So it's good practice and it's good drill. Uh, and we run the build, the moving build drill uh, both directions. So the student will start, uh, say, on the left, and they'll go left and shoot uh, moving laterally to the right, and then they'll uh, reset, reholster, you know, and then they'll shoot it going from right to left again. And then we take that total time of those two runs because usually a right-handed shooter finds it easier to move to the right and a left-handed shooter finds it easier to move to the left. Uh, so, you know, when, you, when you're when you a right-hander moving to the left, you're a bit disadvantaged because it's just more awkward to get the gun oriented at the target that way. So, anyway, good stuff, man. Uh, so, folks, go check out the Shooter Raid Challenge. I think you'll enjoy it, and there's some good stuff there that I, I think you'll want to watch and learn and listen to and uh and then practice this and drive fire you know in the drill i think i tried to do at least two steps 
uh, depending on your setup at home or wherever it is you do your dry fire practice, I mean, if you could take five steps in your living room, in your basement, in your backyard, in your garage, that the more steps you can do while you're doing this, the better. Okay. And the idea is that you want to start the movement first. Uh, it can be kind of simultaneously, but you for sure want to be moving by the time your hand gets to the gun. And then the gun comes out. And if you can take those shots, I think it's just one shot in the case of the shooter ray challenge drill this month. That's fine. Uh, but, you know, take that shot while you're moving. If you can do that, even better than if you like move and draw and you get to this other position and then you fire a shot while you're standing still. That's not going to be quite as effective if you take that shot while you're still in motion. So, anyway, let's move on to some legislative news, Matthew, unless you have any let's final thoughts. Nope, you hammered it home. Gunsandammo.com reporting, you know, there's actually a lot of stories we could have pulled from, but uh, uh, reporting on the California Magazine ban update. This, of course, after the United States Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ended the California Magazine ban. Well, ended is a bit of a stretch because what it is is the Ninth Ninth Circuit Court, a three-judge panel, ruled that the large, as they could describe it, the large capacity magazine ban that it, that it has existed in California for some time, uh, that it is unconstitutional. And, but because you know this is this is the way appeals and and court cases like this go. It's still a process, right? It was a three-judge panel that that ruled on this Duncan versus Becerra case. Uh, the the uh, Attorney General of California, uh, Becerra, he can choose to he, he can ask for an en banc review, meaning that they'll take they'll pick at they will take the Chief Justice of the Ninth Circuit Court, uh, and, and then they'll pick ten or yeah, it's a ten ten I other think judges. 10. I think yeah. at random. Okay, because there's like 40 of them or something uh, in the Ninth Circuit Court. And uh, and yeah, so they'll take 11 judges and that's what's called an en banc review. So a little bit more. Well, you get a broader, you get more variety of opinions and and perspectives, obviously, in in a situation like that. And that's where it's certainly very um, it's very likely Okay, you know, just to be realistic about this, that the larger panel of judges, the en banc review, will end up going the other way. It's entirely possible. Okay, because the way the system works, the law still stands in place as of right now, while these legal challenges are still proceeding. Okay, so we, so if you if you were in California or if you thought that. Hey, cool. They ruled in favor of Duncan on this case. And now I can go get whatever magazines I want. And believe me, a lot of people all of a sudden started ordering mags online and companies online started selling to to Californians too. Mm -hmm. Probably a tad early because they didn't understand how this stuff works. Well, a lot of those have had to retract and have sent emails clarifying saying, we've got your order. We're holding on to it. Uh, you know, so when, when, when this is all said and done and the, and the stay is lifted, then then we'll ship your mags to you. Right. Or you can ask for a refund or whatever, that sort of thing. Right. That's basically where it stands as of right now is we're waiting to see what the state of California's next step is. 
I imagine they're going to request an on banc review. Uh, and, uh, you know, and even after that, whether it's Duncan or the state of California, that's appealing to the next level, it could go from there to the Supreme court and the state could still stay in place. Meaning that we may not, even if the end result is a Supreme court ruling that, uh, that in favor of Duncan, it's going to be a while until you can actually buy, uh, and ship to California, large capacity magazines. Yeah. I, I saw one, I don't know if you, you happen to see it too, but I saw one company was getting a lot of flack because they said, Hey, we're not going to start selling our high capacity mags to California and stuff. And, and customers were trying to tear them apart saying, you know, you're not, you're not for freedom and you're holding out and all other companies are selling them. Like, dude, we, we have lawyers too. And our lawyers are telling us, you know, this is not settled and we shouldn't be doing this and that. And sure enough, you know, kind of the prudence, uh, prudent, you know, decision to kind of hold off and see and, and make sure uh, how, how it would go played out because there, like you said, there are a lot of uh, probably upset customers on the other side, right. That put, and they're like, where are my magazines? They're like, well, we're holding them now. Well, so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and, you're talking about Magpul, aren't you? Yeah. Yep. You know, uh, uh, they, they, they're not dumb. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and actually I think the attorney, uh, I, I could be wrong in this, but I think one of the attorneys working on that Duncan case in California is somebody that, that Magpul works with or has worked with. Um, you know, so I, I, I saw a post where, uh, uh, you know, they uh, were talking about having consulted their attorneys and including an attorney in California that's well acquainted with the situation. They're like, ain't time to start selling yet. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, everybody got really excited, you know, but uh, it, it's still a process. Okay. And it, that process exists for a reason. You know, we are a nation of laws. And as much as there are flaws in our court system, it's still one of the finest, if not the finest in the world. And more often than not works pretty darn well considering things. Right. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, when people talk about how messed up courts are and stuff, uh, you have to realize that, you know, things that go before the courts are not easy decisions. I mean, they may seem like they are to us, but there's a lot of factors at play. And thank goodness we're well beyond the, t- the the times where, you know, you you try to decide who gets custody of a baby and split it in half. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm happy with uh, the way our system works, generally speaking. <laughs> OK. Um, oh, I did want to actually comment real quick on something there. And I closed that tab too quickly. But let's talk real quick about uh, the. Uh, uh, one of the judges involved in this, it, it was a split decision. Okay. It was a two to one decision. And one particular judge, Judge Kenneth Lee, has gotten quite a bit of attention uh, because of his own background. And it is a unique background, uh, very appropriate, I might say. I mean, he certainly has a unique perspective. And Judge Lee is a uh, of Korean descent, grew up in Koreatown in LA. And during the LA riots back in, what was that, 94, I think? 92. Uh, or 92, 92, that's right. Uh, you know, he, he, he basically 
grew up, you know, in that era and seeing that kind of thing happening and how you had all these uh, Koreans and other people. Okay. Uh, many, many, many people were in the same boat during those riots. Things were getting crazy and out of hand right quick. And, you know, they were up on top of the roofs of the businesses and apartments and stores and armed to the hilt. And, uh, and you know, because they, the, the police couldn't protect them anymore. And we're seeing that very similar kind of thing play out in m- many c- uh, cities across the country right now. Denver, after being quiet for a few weeks, just the last couple of days, more riots kicking up again here in Denver because of something that happened in Wisconsin, right? Uh, It's remarkable, you know, uh, to see how this is all playing out. And the reality is when things get crazy, the cops can no longer protect you. And Judge Lee, I think, absolutely understands this. Yeah. I mean, Judge Lee, you know, he, he's in, uh, in place for a time such as this kind of thing, right? Like, it's crazy when I saw um, the initial, you know, headline about him and, and his ties. I was like, wow, what, what a great perspective to know, to see this kind of coming around again. And you can tell in, the, in, his, um, uh, in, in his decision what, what he said, um, you know, he's about, you know, the ban. And, and it said that, you know, um, high capacity or what they term as high capacity, right? Like anything o- above whatever they're, they're banning, right? They consider that high capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know it's standard, but whatever. Um, they're not, they're, they're typically used for lawful purpose, right? They're commonly owned. Um, they're not unusual uh, in, in the sense that they've been modified to do something more dangerous or or anything other than uh, to, to hold ammunition like any other any other magazine. So it's it's weird because, you know, he, he's saying if you take this away um, now, you're you're striking uh, the the, the, the ability, they're striking down the ability for the average person to do what is normally legal, um, in which is to care, carry ammunition where, um, you know, and, and he knows firsthand the inability to, for police to, to protect you. And if he would have had, if, if all those people would have had, you know, four shot, five shot revolvers and that's it. And they're going up against people with ARs and, and AKs and Uzis and, you know, whatever, whatever they want to have. Um, they're at a, a severe disadvantage to be able to defend themselves appropriately. And so I thought if you read his kind of his opinion, you'll, you'll kind of understand his, you kind of see it through his point, his, his eyes. Yeah. What comes down to if the, if the law burdens people, uh, in, you know, in being able to enjoy their second amendment protections and the court did find that, that, citizens are burdened by California's law and that the ban does not enjoy, this is quoting from his opinion, a presumption of lawfulness. Now, why is this important? Well, because where other similar cases uh, like this one have failed uh, in many, particularly circuit and appeals court decisions, or even at the Supreme Court level, a, an intermediate scrutiny uh, standard has been used in determining those cases because, and that's basically fancy lingo f- in the courts of saying balancing 
a, a, a state, particularly like a state government's responsibility of protecting the public with an individual's right to something, right? And in this particular case, uh, these two justices that went you know, in the majority decision of the Duncan case uh, applied a strict scrutiny standard, which means that really what that means is that the state has to the the ban or the law or whatever has to be very narrowly applied so as to limit the burden it places on it on the citizens and that that narrow tailoring of the law is such that it it it, it it's got to be specific to protecting the interests of the of the people of the state of California and it has to be necessary and i think they have to show some sort of correlation to you know the effect of this right like it can't just yep. be some yep. nebulous like idea like capacity high capacity magazines are bad and, and and people will die if you use them and it's like well show me where and when right. you don't have any evidence it's so broad it's it's the opposite of narrowly focused so yep yep that's right so it was, uh, you know, this the way this the the, the approach the, the court took in this case is a promising sign, and hopefully a sign of things to come in the future. Uh, and I'll tell you, if this case were to make it to the Supreme Court and become the law of the land, it would uh, even further strengthen the uh, Heller decision uh, and, and and really give you know the Second Amendment as, as it applies to individual rights a lot more teeth mm-hmm. and that would be a boon it's to uh, individual second amendment rights across the country. So we'll, we'll obviously be following this one. Big time. We've got to move on due to time. Uh, turning to New York state where New York state uh, uh, Senator Zellner Myrie, I guess is, I think it's a, she, her name. Uh, and, uh, I'm just actually trying to confirm that. I have no idea. Senator My- Myrie, 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 I think it's Myrie, a Democrat of, out of Brooklyn, introduced a bill last week. And, and here's the here's the thing. Basically, the, the foundation of this is crime, and particularly violent crime, is skyrocketing in New York City right now. So the answer to that is we need a bill to go after not just guns now because you basically it's very difficult to get guns in New York City uh, through legal means uh, quite a, a permitting process particularly for handguns it's really really painful to go through the whole permitting process all the hoops that make you jump through inspections and approvals and all this stuff uh, so that's not the goal necessarily but they are wanting to introduce a bill that would amend New York state's public nuisance law to allow the state to prosecute the sale or manufacture of products <laughs> as an activity considered to be, or considered to be illegally or unreasonably uh, create or maintain a condition which endangers the safety or health of a considerable numbers of persons. The language in the bill doesn't mention firearms specifically, and I'm quoting this according to article in dailycaller.com. Myrie made clear in comments to the New York Daily News that guns are exactly the kind of products he, oh, it's a he, Senator Myrie, excuse me, has in mind. 
So the idea here is basically find a loophole, a means, a route around the federal law known as the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, which keeps people from being able to basically file frivolous lawsuits against firearms manufacturers, uh, blaming them for how their guns are used. Essentially, it would make it impossible for manufacturers in the state of New York to produce manufacturer guns. And in that way, make it more difficult for people, I guess, to purchase or get a hold of guns in New York. Because that's the answer. You know, that's the reason why crime is on the uptick in New York City is because, you know, you know, companies keep making guns, I guess. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it doesn't it's not even just like, hey, we want to ban like, you know, people, uh, companies, we, we don't want to issue, you know, uh, business licenses to arms manufacturers. It's we want to criminally prosecute people who, you know, who, who uh, you know, pr- uh, manufacture a firearm. Right. And it's crazy. Like if you think about the overarching broadness of this language, I mean, you could you could prosecute soda companies. Right. Like, oh, because you know, it's high in sugar and it's going to make people, you know, overweight and we have a high problem with diabetes and that's a huge health concern and, and tax, you know, it taxes our, our healthcare industry and it, it, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. And I, I mean, I don't think that this has any chance of doing anything realistic. It just, it, it shows really where the, where the heart of these people is and, and they'll do anything they can to divert from the actual problem um, and blame it on something like firearms. I mean, it's it's so crazy when you hear, you know, um, people say, well, um, you know, anybody who, who supported, supported the PLCCA, the, the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act, like you said, um, which just basically doesn't allow people to criminally, you know, hold uh, companies liable if somebody uses their firearm, uses a firearm that they produce to shoot somebody, right? Like you can't go and sue, you know, SIG or Glock or whatever. They, and they'll say, well, this person voted in favor of these big corporations. So, you know, they can get off scot-free if somebody, you know, gets shot. And it's like, it's such a twisting of reality. And yeah. I don't know. It's it's crazy. When I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is this is insane. It's it's a lunacy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they'll stop at nothing to take away guns. That's that's what this is all about. So uh, I have no idea where this one will go. Uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, I suspect that there would be some federal court challenges on a law like this uh, because it would uh, go right against the PLCAA you know, law. Uh, so I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to the second amendment, second amendment foundation, saf.org. Uh, it's uh, uh, basically a press release on their website from a recent, another court victory. And everyone's focused on the ninth circuit court ruling in, in the Duncan case and the success there. Uh, but we've overlooked a, another win in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which unanimously ruled, so it wasn't even split, that the New Jersey Attorney General Gerbier Graywall, I guess, is subject to the jurisdiction of Texas courts in a First Amendment case brought by defense distributed. 
All right. So this is really, I mean, could they then try to take this case up in the appropriate circuit court? Well, I suppose, but, but in this decision uh, from uh, in this case, uh, they, they make it clear. Okay. It said, the Fifth Circuit noted, and basically what this is, so let me back up. Defense Distributed is the company that made a big name for itself trying to put out there into the public domain 3D print files, basically, for gun stuff, okay? Receivers, various gun parts, you know, uh, I think they had a file uh, called the Liberator, which is based around the old liberator gun from world war two something to that effect you know you basically could make a single shot pistol from a bunch of 3d printed parts right probably just firing 22 long rifle right nothing fancy but hey it's a gun right here's the thing here's what's fascinating and probably blows a lot of lesser educated folks and people that are not pro-gun generally speaking uh, it has been a tradition in this country and has been the law for a long time that it is completely lawful for an individual to manufacture for their own use a gun without license, without restriction for the most part, right? And so Defense Distributed basically brought guns to the people. And, you know, with this advent of 3D printing technology, it's like, you know, one of the hardest things to do if you don't have the skill to do so is to just be able to create the model, you know, the, the 3D model that can be turned into the language that the 3D printer can then print, you know, the, the various parts and pieces. And so Defense Distributed is all about putting out there these 3D models that people could then download and print and make their own guns and gun parts and things. So, uh, you know, very controversial lawsuit after lawsuit. Uh, in this case, Attorney General Graywall of New Jersey very clearly has a vendetta. You know, they're out to get defense distributed, to get them shut down, right? To make it impossible for them to continue to exist as a business. And the Fifth Circuit Court noted this. And said, yeah, it's clear that, in, in, in this case, the, the state of New Jersey, because Attorney General Grewal represents the state of New Jersey, uh, was out to get this company, was out to take them down. And there's also some, some acknowledgments of the freedom of the First Amendment, you know, the freedoms that are secured in the First Amendment. So pretty interesting case out of the First Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, your, your comments, uh, Matthew? Yeah, I know you covered it. It's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, complex thing because it deals with like kind of like uh, standing or jurisdictional type stuff. But um, but overall, like exactly what you said, and, and it, it's pretty interesting. Um, I think this has been going on for years. I mean, I, I remember hearing about this going into, you know, legal problems, uh, I, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago. And, and yeah. so um, it's it's been a constant battle. Um, but you know, if you go on the internet, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, um, things that probably aren't great on the internet. Right. And like things that probably shouldn't, if you were going to ban everything that could potentially harm anyone or make anybody upset, 
the internet would be like four four sites you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so and so um this this attorney general specifically not just you know just went after this group but like he named i think the founder by name and and really had like a, a personal vendetta against the dude so um they said no you can't really do that you're an attorney general and uh they wanted to sue him and he said yeah you can get sued because uh uh, you know, you, you, we can, even though you're in New Jersey and the company's in Texas, you, they can sue you. They have standing to sue you. And, and, uh, so stand by for that. So yep, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good stuff. All right. Let's see here. Uh, let's go now to the state of New Hampshire. Tell us about this, uh, vetoing occurring by governor Sununu. Yeah, so some a little bit more good news. Um, Governor Sununu, and I, I, I might be brother of the the other Sununu that's been in politics forever. But anyways, uh, Governor Sununu, um, Chris Sununu, vetoed legislation. Uh, basically, it was red flag, a uh, red flag legislation, um, House Bill six eighty seven, and he said, "Let me pull it up." Um, he said that. Um, I'm trying to see his uh, his wording. It, um, they're basically extreme risk red flag laws, um, and he just said it violates their their uh, uh, Fourth Amendment rights to unreasonable search and seizure, and they don't have a speedy trial or the ability to uh, to represent themselves or face their accusers and stuff. And so um, he vetoed it, and which is which is a huge. And this was among other bills. Um, uh, there were a couple other bills and, and things like that, but this was the 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 one that's pertinent to uh, to firearms, and which is cool because in the trend of just rubber stamping these, in you know the the, the idea of oh you know we want to be on the side of you know whatever the 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 new wave of red flag and let's let let's you know, arrest or, or take and ask questions later, he's kind of stood up and said, no, nope, we're not going to do it here. And so that was, that was pretty bold of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a, it's a big win for New Hampshire, you know, I mean, and this is, um, you know, they, they have, because of the last election, the last major election, uh, you know, there was some, some big gains in their legislature on the democratic side, uh, and, uh, definitely some concern, you know, because, because they've been able to get some bills passed, uh, that, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they wouldn't have been able to get through. Uh, but thank goodness that, you know, they have governor Sununu keeping, uh, their best interests in mind as far as, uh, vetoing bad, what essentially are bad laws, right? Uh, you know, that, that's the way that's, the way our government works. And it's a good thing it works that way. That's why we have all these checks and balances. You know, on the one hand, you could argue that, well, these are the representatives and state senators that represent the people that voted for them. And this is the will of the people. But that's, you know, that's just one side of the, of the coin. The people also voted a governor that represents their interests as well. And, uh, you know, we got to have everybody in agreement before we put into what would be burdensome and terrible laws. Mm-hmm. So good Check stuff. And balances. Checks and balances. Checks and balances. Indeed. 
Yeah, and I'm not very good at balancing my checkbook, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so that basically brings us to the end of our legislative news stories uh, updates today. Uh, I hope that uh, you folks enjoyed uh, getting some of the updates uh, from around the country and also learning and hearing about uh, the Shooter Ready Challenge uh, today. Before we let you go, we do need to draw a winner for the weekly prize giveaway. Uh, as, as Matthew's getting ready and pulling that up to, to pull up the winner's name, I'll remind you that every week uh, the giveaway resets uh, from Tuesday to Tuesday, basically each week. Uh, you have the opportunity to sign in and uh, sign up every week. That means constantly ongoing chances uh, to uh, win stuff, but you got to sign up every week. We don't just keep all your names in, you know, ongoing. Okay. Uh, So please make sure you go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize, get signed up for the giveaway for this next one. Uh, In fact, uh, Matthew, why don't you tell us real quick, what is the next giveaway? The next giveaway where you're doing a uh, free month of LASR um, X laser X and, you know, to go along with uh, our uh, shooter ready challenge episode today. Awesome. Yep. Excellent. So one of you lucky folks out there will uh, win a free month of laser X. And uh, so that's next week's prize. Make sure you get signed up concealcare.com forward slash podcast prize and share with your friends and family. And cause you know, the more shares you get, the more people that sign up, the more entries you get, uh, everybody, everybody wins hopefully. So what are we giving away today, Matthew? Today, we're giving away a DVD, the top 10 things you probably don't know about self-defense law uh, from Andrew Branko Law Self-Defense. Awesome. It's a great DVD. I encourage you to watch that. Uh, If you're not a winner today, you can pick up a copy of it. Uh, Awesome. So let's get a drum roll going and pick this week's winner of the top 10 things you didn't know about self-defense insurance from Andrew Branko. Here we go. The winner is Larry. Um, Larry Vickers? <laughs> no, <laughs> Boss Dog Larry. Um, <laughs> but you are the lucky winner. We'll be emailing you. So uh, look out for that and uh, respond to the email and we'll get your DVD out to you. Congrats, Larry. And uh, again, just a reminder, sign up each week and maybe you too can be lucky winner. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we're going to let you go, folks. Take care. Have a great day. Be safe out there. Put in the work and time and the practice that it takes to become the self-defender that you wish and desire to be. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.